Bible reading, today's Bible reading is from Luke 15, verses 11 to 32. Luke 15, 11 to 32. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the young, younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all there, all, there arose a fa- severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he, said to, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have, enough bread and, have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring me the fat, bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because uh, he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed a fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many, th- these many years I have been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right, right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we could all gather here together on Sunday to worship you and to remember what you have done for us. And thank you for everything that you've done for us. And pray for Ben Uncle as he uh, preaches from the Word today. And uh, we pray that we would be listeners and doers of the Word and that we take home applications. And in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, I don't know about all of you, but today's worship session uh, made me fall in love all over again with my Christ. Uh, it was a very subtle last one hour, and uh, and uh, Joel rightly started the worship meeting, and he, and he said, and I quote, that this is the most romantic line that he has ever known. And he quoted from Hosea chapter 3, verse 3. And he said, And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide me many days, and thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be there for thee. You know, uh, till this moment... One of my favorite romantic lines was when Adam looked at Eve and he said, you are my bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And today, 
I think I have a new favorite one. Uh, uh, but when I was uh, sitting down uh, and listening to all the portions that were read and the thoughts that were shared, uh, I thought, you know, we'll look at Luke chapter 15 as a whole. Because we are talking about a romance, right? A, a, a love story between mankind, the creation, and the creator himself. Okay? And to know that more in detail, it would be good if we can look at the entire Luke chapter 15 and try to draw some principles for our life. Right? And this is the greatest uh, love story ever told. The greatest love story, which I name it as lost and found. You know? Something was lost, and then someone went ahead and found it. Right? The greatest love story ever told. So we'll look at Luke chapter 15 entirely. Once there was a preacher and uh, he was taking the sermon on a Sunday. Okay, and uh, he, he ta- uh, termed his title as forgive your enemies and uh, love them. You know, this, this was his title. And after a long sermon, after a one hour long sermon, you know, and he asked the congregation, how many of you are willing to do this? Almost 50% of the hands came up. He was not satisfied. You know, then he went on for another half an hour. You know, and then he again preached them. Then he said, now how many of you agree and will do this? You know, around 80% people, you know, raised hand and he was still not satisfied. Then he went on to f- for another 15-20 minutes. And this time the crowd was impatient, okay? It was already lunchtime and, uh, you know, they were thinking about what to eat and all that. And this preacher is going on for almost one and a half, two hours. And then he says, now how many of you agree? All the hands were up. Except one. One old lady sitting on one corner at the back. And, and this preacher was like so passionate about his topic. And he could see one hand not being up. And this troubled him. So he said, you know what, ma'am, why don't you come in front? This old lady got up and she was very old. And she somehow made it to the front, you know, slowly. And that also took five minutes. By the time she got up, she came in front. Now, this preacher was very passionate He asked, Sister, how old are you? She said, I'm 93. So in 93 years, you had no enemies, nothing against anyone? She had a smug smile on her face. And she said, no. How is that possible? Then she laughed and she said, I outlived them all. (laughs) You know, it's... We are willing... for someone to die, but we are not willing to forgive. We are not willing to show love. Right? Turn with me to Luke chapter 15. You know, and here is a portion where there is someone who is willing to forgive. Someone who is willing to love irrespective of what we have done. If we go to him, he is willing to love us back. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15 and we will start with verse 1. Now, we all have this feeling of, uh, you know, getting into a panic zone or, uh, you know, an urgency or a determination uh, when we have lost something. Have you come across a thing when, you know, you have kept your wallet and you're just not able to remember where you have kept it? 
or your glasses or uh, some id cards or uh, your mobile phones has it happened with me it happens all the time then my wife gets the brunt of it because i blame her that she would have kept it and then you know we 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 panic it's a, it's a, it's a time of urgency because we really need that stuff and we just don't remember where to find it but sometimes it's amazing to just look back and see how we react to such situation right we'll be going all over the place and there will be one particular drawer or one particular table will be going again and then coming back to that same table or that drawer we'll opening we'll open that drawer we'll try to search it then again go back and we'll do it like five six times thinking magically our wallet or our phone will appear there don't we do that we go back again and again to the same spot because somewhere in our memory we think that you know what that's where i had kept it it's amazing how much determined we are to get that thing back that is important to us if that thing is not valuable say for example a pen um, a 5 rupee pen a renolds pen right and you want a pen and you're not able to find it you might not bother that when you're like eh, i'll buy a new one right but if it is of value to you what will you do you will be determined you will be frustrated you would want that thing then and there right you will do things you will go beyond your capacity to ensure that you find that thing because it is very valuable to you we become very determined you know the greatest lost and found story in history is told in the form of a parable by lord jesus christ in these three parables you know this this story is of we as humans being lost in our sins and jesus christ for him we are very valuable for him so he goes on a mission he goes on a mission to search and find this valuable thing that is there that is us and bring us back to fold you know a lost and found i'm very sure that we also have a lot of memories of our lost and found right and some of them are funny uh, some of them are not so funny but we do have some memories of lost and found but if you read the gospel of luke you know there's a particular theme in this gospel of luke right and uh, that theme is found in luke chapter 19 verse 10 luke chapter 19 verse 10 and this is pretty much the theme of the entire gospel of luke it says for the son of man came to seek and save the lost for the son of man came to seek and save the lost and this is particularly the theme that runs through the gospel of luke so whenever you go through any of the chapters keep this theme back of your mind because that will give you too much of clarity as to what the writer is trying to tell us about christ and where our focus has need to be because many a time we take things out of context and we will not be able to relate but this is the theme of gospel of luke jesus came jesus christ came to seek and save the lost right so the luke uh, the gospel of uh, luke was written under the guidance of holy spirit right and and he had an agenda when he wrote and the agenda was this to see the sovereignty of christ that he is seeking out the sinners and that we then and and that he will save the sinners and that we all are sinners and that we need him you're getting it the sovereignty of the christ is that he comes out to seek the sinners and he will save the sinners 
more importantly know that we are sinners and we need him you know this is pretty much the agenda of gospel of luke so when we read chapter 15 you know this passage clearly explains this particular theme or the agenda you know which the author had throughout the gospel of luke you know luke chapter 15 contains three parables you know what are those three parables the first two parables are very closely related and the third one stands out in itself you know the first one is the parable wherein the shepherd is seeking out his lost sheep right and in the second parable we have uh, a woman seeking out her lost coin and then in third parable you have you have the prodigal son only he was lost you know the third parable though we say it's a prodigal son but i i when i studied this is is a parable of two lost sons you know and then we'll come to it it's not just about one son but two lost sons it's not just about the prodigal son who went away but it was about the elder son as well you know being close to the lord being close to the father yet he was lost you know so we'll we'll cover these three particular uh, parables and we'll see you know what today the lord is trying to tell us or teach us but to start off we need to understand why these parables were told on this on this particular occasion you know if you look at the first two verses it says now the tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near to him and the pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying this man receives sinners and eats with them you know so there there are mentions of tax collectors and sinners right and for the for the pharisees and the scribes who were there teaching they didn't like this particular group of people you know tax collectors because they were loyal to the rome the government of rome even now when it comes to tax we hate it right even in our present time this is a tax filing time right and you hate paying tax right all your uh, you know hard earned money you have to give a certain portion to the government right but that time it was more of a uh, nationalism issue you know and uh, and uh, because these tax collectors were loyal to the government of rome and and they were collecting and people hated them right and then the second group of people that's mentioned is sinners you know these are cold sinners they have been living their life in a, in in the sinful way right some of them might be prostitutes some might them might be just sinners there some some you know basic sins and some really you know difficult ones but they were considered sinners you know it was not specifically called out so there were two group of people one specifically tax collectors because they were collecting money more than what was required if the 10% was required they will collect 20% and people hated them then there were one group of people who are just called sinners simple right the author doesn't complicate it too much he doesn't break down within sinners you know these are the categories he just names them as sinners right and both of this particular group of people didn't have a standing in front of the elite or the scribes and the pharisees right and when jesus is trying to make a point you know then these two group of people are listening to jesus and there are pharisees and scribes and they are saying how dare he you know if he says that he is a messenger of god then he should be with the best of the society right he should be with the clean people he should be with those who have some connections or he should be with those who are powerful or he should be with those who are beautiful good looking people right 
that was the mindset of pharisees and the scribes and here is jesus he is in midst of the sinners trying to teach them about the kingdom of god and pharisees didn't like it this man receives sinners and eats with them and this is the background to the three parables that comes across let's begin with the first one right it's called the parable of the lost sheep right in verse 4 says there was a man who had 100 sheep you know so there's a shepherd who has 100 sheep if he has lost one of them he does not he does not leave the 99 in the open country he and after that he goes behind the one that he is uh, that is lost and he until he finds it you know it's it's a pretty um straightforward a parable ever told by jesus but even at that time you know it was offensive to the pharisees and the scribe why because they didn't connect with uh, the shepherds you know they thought that they were thieves they were uh, they looked them uh, looked at them as low life people and uh, they saw them people who should be pushed aside but if you look at the history you know uh they, they they were scholars right pharisees and the scribes were the scholars and they knew that moses was a shepherd right david the great king was a shepherd some of the prophets were shepherd but when jesus took this analogy it was not making sense to them they had blocked themselves out and jesus says there was one shepherd who had 100 sheep one of the sheep went astray and what this shepherd does is leaves 99 behind and goes behind that one sheep until he finds it right interestingly you know uh Jesus considers you know he uses the analogy of sheep you know us also as sheep right he says that we are also like sheep and he is our shepherd you know and when you look at the characteristics of a sheep you know uh, sheep are not intelligent creatures let's be honest okay it's very difficult for them to follow any instructions okay Uh, you have to really knock it down in them to for them to follow a particular simple instruction right and if there is a group of sheep going in one direction without even thinking the rest of them will follow right and the shepherd has to really you know uh, discipline them and train them and bring them so that they follow one pattern and follow behind the shepherd so it's interesting that jesus says that we are shepherd uh, we are like sheep right because even we are like that how difficult it is for us to just follow one simple instruction right when i look at my you know two children especially my son you know i say left he'll go right you know i say sit he'll stand i say sleep he'll run you know it's it's just the opposite it's very difficult for us as humans to follow a simple instruction and we are no uh, you know uh, different from a sheep you know and this is an analogy which we could very well relate to and he says that you know there is a shepherd and he has 100 sheep one of them goes away you know what could be a logical uh, response to this if you are a shepherd imagine yourself in that particular point in time right and you know the characteristics of sheep you know you cannot leave them alone they need a shepherd and if you have one sheep who has gone away and you have 99 with you what will you do will you protect the 99 and think okay i'll write off the one that has gone away will you do that i think many of us will do we will not risk 
the 99 that we have with us we will not go behind that one particular sheep we'll write it off we'll say it's okay but here we see a characteristic of a shepherd you know what he does something out of the different what did jesus says that he goes behind he leaves 99 behind and he goes behind that one sheep that was lost until he finds it you know we we talked about the determination right when we lose something and if it is valuable to us we'll be determined we'll be focused till we find it and the same focus we see in in, in the shepherd okay he's determined to go behind that one sheep you know till he finds it and then jesus brings out an application in verse 7 he says you know when he, when he has found it you know then he says that there will be you know then he calls his friend and they say just so i tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous person who needs no repentance you know jesus is trying to make a point you know what that one one lost sheep is very important for me you know if one sinner repents you know one sheep that has gone astray is basically a one sinner you know when he comes back to the fold this this the heavens are rejoicing the angels are rejoicing because one lost sheep has been found one lost soul has been found that's much value we are to Christ Jesus you know we we our tendency is to go away our tendency is to go away our tendency is not to obey any command but here we see a father a shepherd going behind his one sheep being determined until he finds it and when he has found it he calls everyone and he rejoices and then he says you know when one sinner repents the heavens rejoice you know and that's a point that he is trying to make and then we come to the second parable it's again a very simple one parable of a lost coin it says a woman had 10 silver coins if she loses one does not light light, uh, light lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it and when she has found it she calls together her friends and neighbors saying rejoice with me for i have found the coin that i had lost just so i tell you there is joy before the angels of god over one sinner who repents you know again it's a very familiar passage that you know a- anyone could relate to when jesus used this parable you know again pharisees and scribes were not impressed why because again w- using a woman as an example for them it was not making sense it was not making sense and then he goes on to say that this woman had 10 silver coins which was equivalent to a day's wage at that particular point in time she loses one which is very precious which is very precious if you work hard imagine you work hard toil for 12 hours and you get 10 bucks you get 10 rupees and you lose lose one of one rupee and you're just left with nine you know the value of that one rupee if it just comes free if your dad just gives you that 10 rupees you know it's it's of no value when you work hard towards it then that one rupee makes sense and same you know for her that one silver coin was very precious did what did she do did she sleep off i'll find it in the morning when it's daytime i'll find it did she do that no it says that she lit a lamp and she started searching and she searched search until she found it and then she called her friends and there was a party there's a rejoicing and then again jesus christ uses a, a a theme that when one sinner repents there is joy before the angels of the god 
over the one sinner who repents. You know, my dear brothers and sisters, you know, it's, it's very important for us to understand these two parables. The characteristic of the women and the shepherd that's mentioned. You know, the, the determination that they have. You know, Jesus Christ is pointing out, you know, if something is lost that is valuable, look at the determination. They will chase, chase and find that particular, particular thing that is valuable and they will bring back. And when they bring back, there is rejoicing in heaven is what the point that Jesus was trying to make. Now comes the third one, which is the longest parable. It's, it's about, uh, three characters are mentioned here. You know, two are the sons. One is the younger one, one is the elder son. We are, and we are very familiar with this particular passage. You know, we have read this. I think after Psalms 23, if something is very common, it will be the prodigal son story, right? It's, it's so many times we have heard it, read it, in, in, in forms of messages or in forms of books or articles. It's very common, right? But I would like your undivided attention while we go through, you know, this particular passage. You know, so here we find uh, a father, you know, who is pr- pretty wealthy and he has two sons, right? And uh, one of the younger ones, you know, comes and says, you know, father, I want my share. I want my share from your property. And if you look in that particular time, uh, the elder son was supposed to get the two-third of the property. And the younger son was supposed to get the one-third. Right? And this younger one comes and you know what? I cannot wait. I cannot wait till you are in your deadbed and you make your last will and you put me in that. You know what? Now is the time. I'm young. I'm smart. I'm handsome. I just want to live my life. Give me my portion. You know? And, uh, and then he, father being... So loving, he allows it, which is again unheard of, you know. Only when a father dies is when the property gets divided. But in this scenario, father being alive, he allowed that to happen, okay. He allowed the child to take his own decision and give, give off his property. You know, now what, what do we see, you know, in this particular son and, and the younger son? And we could relate a lot with his life, you know. What does he do? He goes and loses all his money. You know, when, when you look into the original language, it, it says in reckless living is, is, is the actual terms that comes out, right? And if you see uh, the life that this younger one was living, one thing that stands out is the pleasures of sin is very real. Don't you agree? The pleasures of sin is very real, uh, when we, when we look into the world, the kind of pleasure that's there, it's very attractive, right? If you have the money, how easy is this for you to go and do things? And even if you don't have money, there are some of the things that you can still do. You know, many a times when we come to Bangalore, I think our church is predominantly youngsters who have left their family and they come... Um, when I was studying here, I remember back in my MBA days, my father used to send me 3,000 rupees for a month. You know, and my reckless living was, I used to spend that in first week itself. The next three weeks was literally living the life that prodigal son lived. You know, living off my friends and whatever was remaining, we used to eat and somehow survive. Back then I was thinner. But the pleasures of sin are very real, you know. Nowadays, you get a lot of money. No one to account to, right? You live your life the way you want. 
no one to ask you and the pleasures are so real it's so real you want to get into a relationship it's so real right you just want to do it you want to watch something that you're not supposed to you just want to do it the pleasures of sin are real and it and it is very attractive as well it's not that when you're doing it you feel very disgusting no you enjoy it and that's what happened with the younger son as well in verse 13 we read not m- many days later the younger son gathered all that he had took a journey to, into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living you know and in later on in verse 30 when the elder's brother was stating he says he wasted his inheritance on prostitutes the when we read the parable you know nothing is mentioned how he went ahead and spent the money but definitely it was reckless you know he 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 spent on things which he was not supposed to it was not just on food let's be very honest you know when we talk about reckless living it's not just on food it's not just on burgers and everything it's it's on something else and we all can relate to it i don't want to point out things but we all can relate on things that we spend and we we waste our life and that's what happened right when we talk that the pleasures of sins are real what we also need to understand that the pleasures of sin don't last it can be real it is real the pleasures of sin are real but the presence but the pleasures of sin don't last let's look at the parable what's it says verse 14 and when he had spent everything a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need you know once he spent everything all that time when he had a lot of money he could do everything he could squander his money he could attend all the nonsense thing you know now it's time that the time is over you know now the reality has hit the recession has hit the party is over and you know but the f- but the fun of the sin doesn't last right now he is at a time of realization you know i was reading this particular article and it says that sin never delivers on its promise they are never worth what they cost i'll just repeat that sin never delivers on its promise and they are never worth what they cost and when i was trying to understand this it made a lot of sense it made a lot of sense right the pleasure looks so promising the life looks so promising and you just get into it you you do things but the price that you pay after that it's not worth it in our case the price that we pay is separation from god we walk away from god we choose world over the love of god as morning we read we become more like harlots that life we find it more pleasurable than the love of god that is there with us you know now let's continue the story and 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 here is a time when the 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 story has reached a critical critical point you know this is a time when this young son has come to a realization and now he's repenting because now he's eating food what the pigs were eating right and he's eating the leftovers and now he's sitting there and thinking you know what my father has big house he has lot of servants 
if i just become one of the servants that will be more than enough because he really takes care of them or if i just eat that food that is falls from the table that's more than enough you know he has come to a point of realization he has come to a point of humility that imagine that moment of humility imagine the moment when you were doing everything that was not needed and you felt so pleasurable you felt so nice but then now suddenly you realize you have nothing left and now you are able to go back and see you know what my father was right how good my father was and this is the time of realization for this young son and this is the time of repentance as well you know many a times we have a very false view of repentance right we we do sin and then we say oh lord i did it you know i'm so sorry and then we move on you know that's not repentance that's not repentance let's learn about repentance from his life right uh, first point of repentance is he comes to himself verse 17 let's go to verse 17 but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servant have more than enough bread but i perish here with hunger you know he came to himself when you are alienated from god you are always alienated from yourself you getting it when you are alienated from god when you are in sin you are alienated you are far away from god in that process you are also far away from yourself now why do i say that now imagine yourself uh you know you cannot know yourself or relate properly to yourself if you are running away from the one who had made you you know god created you right and he created you in his own image and if you try to run away from god how would you know yourself because you have been created in his own image but if you are running away from him you will not know yourself you know the conversion or coming to yourself is as important as coming to god you know it is discovering from where you came from or who you are and why you exist you know that's coming to yourself running away from god is always running away from yourself repentance is walking up to his truth you know the first thing that the son does is he comes to realization of himself that he belongs to his father you know that's his first realization right you know the first step of repentance he realizes that he belongs to someone you know even for us when we repent the first thing that we need to know is we belong to someone we belong to christ you know our repentance our prayers are so different the realization itself coming to know yourself who you belong to and why do you exist the second part of repentance is we read in verse 18 the second part of repentance is the humble brokenness and the deep sense of unworthiness before god you know in verse 18 he says i will rise and go up to my father and will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and before you you know a complete brokenness a deep sense of unworthiness before our god he realized you know what he has done a blunder he he has realized that and he is totally broken and is humbled because of the circumstances that's around him and he feel the unworthiness that he has in in front of the father you know in isaiah 53 verse 6 says for all have sinned and have gone astray not even one is righteous right 
knowing after we know what the father's will is still we choose to reject it you know when we come to that realization you know we are completely broken the second step of repentance is you know the brokenness the humble brokenness and deep sense of unworthiness that we need in front of god the third part of repentance is we see is uh, he completely cast himself on god's free will on father's free will you know he had prepared a speech right the son had prepared the speech that he'll go to this father and he'll say that i've sinned against you and the heaven and 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 then he will tell all this big speech and he'll ask for forgiveness you know and in in all this what he is saying is i'll i'll put myself at the mercy of my father you know when you, when you think of repentance you know this is the process that is important you know we know that our god is merciful we know that he has full he, and he is full of grace right but we completely surrender to that we still try to take control right over our repentance our prayers are so 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 silly when we come to him but here we see the younger son re- come to the realization he comes to know that i belong to my father and he's completely broken and shattered because of the decisions that he has made and then he is completely willing to surrender at the mercy of his father you know that's repentance repentance is believing that god is so great and so good that the smallest enjoyment of his house are better than 10000 worlds without him you know repentance is believing that god is so great so good that the smallest enjoyments in his house is better than 10000 worlds without him you know it's easy to say this but we know it's how difficult it is for us to do that but trust me the small joys that we have in our lord is much more better much more valuable to the pleasures that the world could show you you can enjoy all the pleasures of the world but when you come to the father the smallest joy that you get surpasses everything that the world has to offer you know and then comes the most important part then comes the father the, the the reaction of the father and that's where you know my my point is today you know so the son has decided that you know what i've done blunder and he has the entire speech he has come to the realization and he's completely willing to surrender to the will of the father now he's walking towards his house right now he's walking towards his house then he sees his father and from far father also sees his son and what is the response of the father what is the response of the father father runs towards him you know it's very unheard of at that time because if you are rich and you have dignity you usually you will not run but jesus is trying to make a different point here he's saying here is a rich man he has a status he has a dignity but when he sees his son when he sees his lost son from far away he is willing to let go of his dignity and he is willing to run chase and go and there and hug him and and then when we see the next scene what do we see the son starts saying the speech that he has prepared right because he's been preparing for so long he he starts and but father says you know what stop he hugs him he kisses him and he says bring the best robe bring the best ring bring the slippers for him he says cut the fatted calf let's have let's let's rejoice because you were lost but now i have found you and this is the theme of the particular uh, three uh, parables that jesus was trying to tell 
you know it's 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 not about the lost coin you know this parables is not about the lost sheep it's it's parable is not about the lost sons for me when i read this is this parable is about the father who is relentless in his pursuit for his loved one relentless you know what joy it gave me this morning that he is relentless in his pursuit of you and me no matter what you have done i i, I really don't know most of your lives i really don't know what you are struggling or what you have done in the past i really don't know or if you are in sin at this particular point in time as well but what what promise that he is giving if you have the heart of repentance and if you are really willing to go to the father and say you know what father i have sinned against you this is what i have done and i plead for your mercy i seek your grace what the scriptures tells us is your father is relentless he will run towards you because he is a loving father so this morning if you have not repented of your sin i think it's very important for you to just take a pause and understand that you belong to someone come to realization of yourself that you belong to someone you don't belong to yourself do you belong to yourself as children of god no you have been bought by the blood of christ there's a price that has been paid in advance you don't belong to yourself you belong to someone else coming to realization and there is a purpose why you exist then comes deep humility you need to be humble in front of the lord and then you need to completely surrender to his will if this morning if you are able to do that the promise that i can give you is there is a father who is waiting for you who is waiting for you at the gate he is not inside the house relaxing because his son left he is not remorseing he is not inside you know busy with the elder son no he is waiting eagerly at the gate he is waiting for you and me for us to have that realization you know what we have done something wrong we have done something that hurts our father and if we have that repentive attitude he is willing to run towards us we take one step he take 10 steps towards us he is willing to forgive but at the beginning of the passage i told you this this particular parable is not about the parable of the prodigal son is parable of two lost sons right one we just covered right the younger one who squandered his wealth he he lived an unholy life now he has come to a realization he's back into the fold now there's an elder son you know what's his story you know so he's at this field you know plowing his field and he's a very well behaved nice kid right he obeys every commandment that's there but when he hears the music and the party that's going on he calls his servant you know what what's happening what's happening there and he says your your younger son, brother has come back he gets very offended he doesn't want to go inside the house and father comes and has a interesting conversation with him but for me when i was looking at the character of this elder son you know you know he was he says that look father i have been serving you for many years you know the term serving uh, i think in his mind it was more like a slave you know uh, he thought that he's been like a slave he's been working like a slave 
I've been working like a slave for you for many years. And you didn't even give me one calf to have you know, party with my friends. But this son who squandered your wealth on prostitutes, you cut a fatted calf. This is what you want? You know, and then father tells something very important. You are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. You know, he just reminds, you know what? All that is mine is yours. But your brother was lost. But now we have found him. He has come back. You know, rejoice. And he, the, you know, the, the consequences are left unmentioned here. You know, what happens next? Jesus doesn't go ahead and explains what happens next. I think it's a very interesting way of ending a parable, right? It leaves us to our imagination, whether we relate to the younger one or we relate to the elder one, where we stand in life. I think that's interesting. When we say that we are serving the Lord, do we think that we are slaves and we are doing it out of some pressure? No. I think the serving comes out of love. You know, When Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he was showing one aspect of love. You can love by serving, by becoming so humble, the humility has to be so great, then only you can show love to another. You know, but elder son lost completely the point of it. You know, when he saw his younger one coming, who had already taken the property, he was worried whether he'll take my remaining property. You know what father said? You, know, you don't have to worry about that. All that is mine is yours. All we need to rejoice at this point in time is your younger brother has come back. You know, uh, I'm always reminded of the great hymn by John Yu. We all know that amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. You know, what beautiful lyrics. And it, it perfectly fits to this particular passage. So what are the learnings that we can take from this? You know, it's a very simple three parables. We have heard it many times, but there are some things that we can take away. You know, number one, we have a much better inheritance than early goods that does not run out. The Father gives us an inheritance of eternal life in Christ in full. Very important for us to remember that. Elder brother lost that view and he forgot about this, but it's important for us to remember Second, when we try to find acceptance and pleasure in the world, we will eventually be disappointed and left in lack of spirituality. You know, many a times we will find pleasures in the world. We'll love to squander our resources on those. We'll try to find logics when we do something wrong. We all know that. We all have done that, right? When we do something wrong, we try to find logic and try to make sense out of it. We try to explain people, you know what, this is what it is and hence we did this and, you know, show me some grace. When we try to find acceptance and pleasure in the world, we will eventually be disappointed and left in lack, total lack of spirituality. Number three, when we choose our way over God's way and follow our selfish and fleshly desires, we'll become slaves to our sin once again, and end up living in filth. You know, when you look at the younger son, his life, you know, his life of filth was he was with the pigs. And Jesus doesn't want that life for us because he has already paid the price. You know, this morning someone said, we are like dogs who likes to go back to his own vomit, right? 
we are like we are we love that filth we love that vomit i don't know what is attractive about that you know when i say you love vomit you know you will be like what but yes we are like that you know vomit is just an analogy but we love all the things that has been prohibited don't we you know right from the beginning of creation that apple or that fruit that was prohibited you know it's throughout the history you just take it something that has been said no you're prohibited or we say no to you about something you just want to do that or you just want to understand why this has been told no you know you want to make logic out of it right you talk to all these youngsters and you know many a times when we say no and it's like why <laughs> why it is wrong you know we try to make all sense we'll open the scripture and tell them 20 odd verses also they'll be like but why why it is like this you know sometimes god wants us to just obey his commandment you know there's a particular reason we and he doesn't want us to live a life in filth you know because he has chosen something better for us much better that the world cannot offer fourth repentance is a heart turning to god seeking forgiveness and acknowledging that he knows what is best for our lives we should choose to trust him alone and not our desires you know uh, repentance is a very important part of a believer you know you and me are saved and let's not take that for granted you know once you tell an honest prayer you cannot squander your life again you know you should be you should realize that you don't belong to yourself repentance is very important in believer's life it's not that you have a free pass to sin because you said that prayer right it's not about that i think repentance is a key part in a believer's life number 5 just like the father in the parable our heavenly father always has an eye on us even when we stray away from him or go in our own way he's ready waiting for our return to come back home with open arms you know post repentance this is what it is the promise that is there in the scripture that our father is waiting with open arms you know many a times we we do something wrong right we do something wrong and then we live in guilt we don't feel like praying we don't feel like opening the bible because we feel that we are worthless there is no coming back from this particular sin oh i have done this 20 times how many times my lord will forgive me and in 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 that regret you keep on doing that and you are involved in sin and there's no coming back for you sometimes you feel that but bible says you know what john 1 john 19 what does it say 1 john 19 what does it say if we confess he is faithful to forgive our sins if we confess you know that's the key part if we confess the problem is when when we are in sin when we live a sinful life satan plays a major role you know he will make you think again and again you're worthless there is no hope don't go you know how many times your father will forgive you just this is this is what your life is all about just live through it so many youngsters that we speak when was the last time you prayed i don't know when was the last time you asked for repentance i don't feel like i don't think i have any hope oh this is so horrible i think i have done is so horrible i don't think my lord can forgive me oh i have done this multiple times every time i pray and then again i go back in the same thing i don't think this time my father will forgive me and days goes by weeks goes by months goes by 
dare I say, years goes by, you lose your connection with the Lord. But what this parable teaches us is, our Father is waiting with open arms if we confess, if we repent and we go back to Him. He's willing to run towards us. Last but not the least, God's love is abundant. His mercy shown on the cross will always triumph over judgment. I'll repeat that. God's love is abundant and his mercy shown on the cross will always triumph over judgment. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for this Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time of worship that we had. Thank you, Lord, for reminding that our lives that we choose is nothing less than a life of a harlot. Lord, many a times we do things that is not pleasing in your eyes. But Father, this Sunday morning, thank you for reminding from your scripture that we are valuable to you. You will pursue to the ends of the earth to bring us back to the fold. And truly, there will be rejoicing in heaven. Father God, we know that we are like the lost sons. Many a times, we squander our wealth, our resources on things that we are not supposed to. Many a times, we serve you thinking that we are like slaves and we don't understand the true meaning of love that you have actually told us. But Father, we come this morning and we come with a humble heart. We come with a repentive heart knowing that you are all-knowing Father, a gracious Father, a God who loves, whose love is abundant. And truly, Lord, your mercy that you showed on the cross will always triumph over judgment. Truly, Father, we want to say thank you for the love that you have shown. A father who runs, who doesn't care about his dignity, who runs and hugs and welcomes us with open arms. Truly, Father, we pray for the congregation here as well. Lord, if any one of us is still living a life of sin, still living a life where there is no repentance, Father, we pray that you humble the heart so that they can realize that you truly love them. And if they come with a heart of repentance, you are faithful in forgiving. Father, we pray for this week ahead. Lord, we pray that help us to find these promises. And uh, Father, we pray that we will remember these promises so that throughout the week we could rejoice in who you are and what our standing is in your sight. We ask all this in the name of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.